Chapter Twenty of the Wonderful Adventures of Fra the Phoenician by Edwin Lester Arnold. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A bright dazzle of sunshine roused me with the following sunrise. I rubbed my sleepy lids and sat up, vaguely gazing round upon the tarnished hangings, the immovable white faces of the pictures on the wall and the dusty floor whereon in the greyness of countless years was marked just the outlines of last night's feet and nothing more however it was truly a lovely morning and moved by that subtle tonic which comes with sunshine i felt brighter and more confident having dressed i went down the old staircase again to the breakfast which would certainly be ready unbarring as i passed the casements and setting wide the great hall door that the cool breath of that spring morning might sweep away the mustiness of the old house even humming a snatch of an old camp song learnt in piccadilly to myself the while thus i gained the dining hall in good spirits and saw as had been expected a new meal set with modest food and drink for me and me alone but no other sign or trace of human presence i sat and ate vowing as i did so this riddle had gone far enough unanswered and before that shiny sparkling world outside all tears and laughter like a young maid's face was a few hours older i would know who was my host who served me thus persistent and invisible and what might be the service i was looked to pay for such quaint entertainment therefore as soon as the meal was done i belted on my sword and straightened down my finery the which had lost its creases and sat extremely well and smoothing the thick mass of my black eastern hair under my velvet tudor cap sallied forth there was nothing new about the garden save the sunshine and having intently regarded the broad terraced and mullioned front of the house without learning one single atom more than i knew before i resolved to force a way round to the rear if it were possible but this was not so easy on one hand were thickets of shrub and bramble laced into dense impenetrable barriers and on the other great yew hedges in solemn ranks with vast masses of ivy and holly forbidding a passage but nothing daunted i walked down to those yews and peering about soon perceived a tangled pathway leading into their fastness it was a narrow little way begrudgingly left between those sullen hedges thick grown with dank weeds below and arched over by neglected growth so that the sun could not shine into these dusky alleys and the paths were wet and chilly still well i pushed on now to right and now to left amid the tangles of one of those old mazes that gardeners love to grow and until only the tall smokeless chimney-stacks of the deserted house shone red under the sunshine over the bough-tops in the distance and then i paused it was all so strangely quiet and so lonesome i had been solitary so long it seemed doubtful whether anyone was alive in the world but me why surely i was thinking there were no human beings at least about this shadow-haunted spot it were idle to seek for them i would give it up and just as i was meditating that had half turned to go and yet was standing irresolute jove right from the air in front of me right out from the black bosom of the shadowy yew and ivies there burst a wild elfin strain of laughter a merry bubbling peal 
a ringing cascade of fairy merriment a sparkling avalanche of disembodied mirth that like some sweet essence permeated on an instant all that gloomy place and thrilled down the damp alleys and shook the thousand-coloured drops of dew from bent and leaf and vibrated in the misty prismatic sunshine up above and then was gone leaving me rooted to the ground with the suddenness of it and half delighted and half amazed but only for a moment and then i leapt forward and saw a turning and found at bottom of it a gap and plunged headlong through it was a pretty scene i staggered into in front of me spread the open centre of the maze a grassy space some twenty paces all about and lying clear to the sunshine falling warm and strong upon it in the midst of that fair opening shut off from wind and outer barrenness had once been a fountain with a basin and though the jet played no longer yet the white marble pool below it stained golden and green with moss and weather held from brim to brim a little lake of sparkling water and about that fountain bright in decay the green ferns were unwinding while great clumps of gold narcissus hung trembling over their own reflection in the broken basin overhead there was a blossoming almond tree a cloud of pale pink buds wherefrom a constant cheerful hum of bees came forth and a pale rain of petals fell on to the ground beneath and tinted it like a rosy snow no other way existed in and out of that delightful circle save where i had entered but little paths rang here and there among the grass and industrious love had marked them out with pretty country flowers pale primroses all damp and cool among the shadows broad bands of purple violets lining seductive alleys splendid star-like saffron outshining even the gorgeous sun and blushing daisies with varnished king-cups where the fountain ran to waste it was as pretty a dominion as sweet an oasis in that dank dark desert beyond as you could wish to see and the clear strong breath of flowers and the warm wine of the sunshine set my blood throbbing deep and swift to a new sense of love and pleasure as i stood there spellbound on the dewy threshold but fair as earth and sky looked in that magic circle they were not all kneeling at the broken marble fountain her dainty sleeves rolled to pearly elbows the strands of her loose brown hair dipping as she bent over the shining water with white muslin smock neatly bunched behind her a milky kerchief knotted across her bosom and a great country hat of straw by her side knelt a fair young english girl she did not see me at once her face was turned away and on her other hand she was tending a noble peacock a splendid fowl indeed as stately as though she were the suzerain of all heaven's chickens ivory white from bill to spurs crested with a coronet of living topaz and with a mighty fan upreared behind him of complete whiteness from quill to fringe saving the last outer row of gorgeous eyes that shone in gold and purple and amethyst refulgent in that spotless field a magnificent bird indeed and fully wotting of it and that kneeling maid was dipping water for him in her rosy palm and the great bird was perched upon the marble rim and dropping his ivory beak into that sweet chalice and lifting his lovely throttle and flashing coronet to the sky ever and anon 
while the thrill of the girl's light laughter echoed about the place and the almond blossoms showered down on them and the bees hummed and the sweet incense of the spring was drawn from the warm budding earth flowers glittered the sun shone and the sky was blue as i the intruder stood silent and surprised before that dainty picture in a moment the girl looked up and saw me in my amber suit and ruffle my rapier and cap standing there against the black framing of the maze and then she did as i had done stared and rubbed her eyes and stared again in a moment she seemed to understand i was something more than a fancy whereat with a little scream of fear she sprang to her feet and crossing the kerchief closer on her bosom pulled down her sleeves and backed off towards the almond tree but i had that comely apparition fairly at bay and after so many hours without company did not feel a mind to let her go too easily whether she proved fay or fairy nymph naiad or just plain country flesh and blood i pulled off my cap and with a sweeping bow advanced slowly towards her whereon she screamed again fair girl i said i grieve to interrupt so sweet a picture with my uninvited presence but wandering down these paths your laughter burst upon the stillness and drew me here and now sir quoth that fair material sprite recovering herself and with a pretty air you would ask the shortest way to the public road it lies there to your left beyond the holly-bank you see over by the meadows why not exactly that i laughed i have an idle hour or two on my hand and since you seem to have the same i would rather rest content with the good fortune which brought me hither than try new paths for lesser pleasures if you would sit i think this grassy mound is broad enough for two i meant it well but the maid was timid and far from rescue in the wilderness of that maze the colour mounted to her cheeks until they were pinker than the almond buds overhead she looked this way and that and gave one fleeting glance round the strong close-set walls of that sunny garden among the yews then just one other glance at me that dangerous stranger in silk and satin standing so gallant cap in hand and finally she was away running like a hind towards the only outlet the gap by which i had come in but was i to be robbed of a pretty comrade so was the lovely elf of the neglected garden to slip between my fingers without answering one single question of the many i would ask i spun round on my heels and quick as that maiden's feet were on the turf mine were quicker we got to the gap together and in another minute her kirtle fluttering in the breeze her loose hair adrift and the flush of fear and exertion on her youthful face that comely lady was struggling in my grasp i held her just so long as she might recognise how strong her bonds were then set her free if she had been pink before that maid was now ruddier than the wind-flowers in the grass oh fie sir she began as soon as she could get her breath oh fie and for shame you wear the raiment of a gentleman you carry courtly arms you do not look at least a rough uncivil rogue and yet you burst into a privy garden and frighten offend a harmless girl oh for shame sir if gentleness and courtesy are so poor barriers we shall need to look the better to our hedges let me by sir and gathering her skirts in her hand 
and tossing back her head with all the haughtiness she could command that damsel looked me boldly in the eyes fair foolish girl she thought to stare me down i who had eyed unmoved a thousand sights of dread and wonder i who had mocked the stare of cruel tyrants and faced unblanching the worst that heaven or hell could work what was i to be out of countenance under the feeble battery of such gentle orbs as those twas boldly conceived but it would not do and in a moment she felt it and her eyes fell from mine the colour rushed again from brow to chin she let her flowered skirt fall from her grip she turned away for a moment and there and then burst out a crying behind her hands as though the world were quite inside out now to stand the fair open assault of her eyes was one thing but such sap as this was more than my resolution could abide you do mistake me maid indeed i cried i swear there is no deed of courtesy or goodwill in all the world i would not do for you why then sir do the least and easiest of all stand from that gap and let me pass if you insist upon it even that i must submit to there there is your way free and unhampered and i stood back and left the passage clear and yet before you go fair lady let me crave of your courtesy one question or two such as civility might ask and courtesy very reasonably answer now that maid had dried her tears been stealing some sundry glances at me under the fringe of her wet lashes while we spoke and as a result she did not seem quite so wishful to be gone as she had been she eyed the free gap in the tall wall of yew and holly and then demurely me the pretty corners of her mouth began to unbend and while her fingers played among her ribbons and the colour came and went under her clear country skin feminine curiosity got the better of timidity and she hesitated oh she murmured if it were a civil question civilly asked i could wait for that what can i tell you first then are you of true material substance not vagrant and spiritual but as you certainly look a healthy plain planed mortal had i been else sir the damsel answered with a smile i had found a short way out of the trap you saw fit to hold me in that is true no doubt and i accept this initial answer with due thanks i had not asked it but lodging so long amid shadows sets my prejudice against the truth even of the sweetest substance and nextly sir nextly how came you in this lonely place with these pretty playthings about you how came you in my garden here where i thought nothing but silence and sadness grew your garden what hole in our outer fences gave you that warrant sir queried the young lady with a toss of her head how long user of trespass makes that right presumptive faith until you spoke i thought the garden was mine and my father's and the young lady for such i now acknowledge her to be looked extremely haughty what hast thou then a father yes sir is it so unusual with our kind that you should be surprised and who is thy father a very learned man indeed sir one who hath more wit in his little finger than another brave gentleman will have in all his body of nature so courteous that he instinctively would respect the privacy of a neighbour's property and manners so finished he would never stay a maiden at her morning walk to bandy idle questions with her all out of vanity of black curled hair and a new mayhap unpaid for yellow suit 
if you had no more to ask me sir i think i would wish you good day but stay a minute it seems to me i might know thy father and this is the very point and centre of my inquisitiveness if you did it were much to your advantage but i doubt it he is recluse and grave and not given to chance companions or in fact to friend with any but some one or two ah that may well be so i said thoughtlessly speaking with small consideration and recalling the vision of my ancient host just as it came to me a sour wizened old carl clad in rusty green a straddle of a spavined ragged palfrey mean-seeming morose and sullen why maid is that thy father no sir gads i laughed it was discourteously spoken i should have said now i come to reflect more closely on it a reverent gentleman indeed white-bearded and sage with keen eyes shining severe the portals of a well-filled mind a carriage that bespoke good breeding and gentle blood raiment that disdained the pomp of silly fickle fashion and a general air of learning and of mildness my father sir to the very letter master adam faulkner the wisest man they say this side of the trent and greatly i know he would have me add at your service and you and mistress elizabeth faulkner daughter to that same and if indeed you know my father then as my father's friend i tender you my humble and respectful duty and the young lady half mockingly and half out of gay spirit picked up her flowered muslin skirt by two dainty fingers on either side and made me a long sweeping curtsy a pretty flower indeed for such a rugged stem but this is only half the matter fair girl i went on when my responding bow had been duly made if that venerable gentleman indeed be thy father and this his house and thine it is more strange than ever i came here two evenings since by his explicit invitation but since that time i have not set eyes upon him high and low have i hunted i have pricked arras and rapped on hollow panels trodden yon ghostly corridors at every hour of the day and night yet for all that time no sight or sound of host or hostess could i get now out of thy generous nature and the civility due to a wandering guest tell me how was this why sir do you mean to say since two nights past you have been lodged back there ah three days in yon grim mouldy mansion what there in that melancholy front of the many windows and all alone the very simple native truth alone in yonder tenement of faint sad odours and mournful sighing draughts alone save for a mind stocked with somewhat melancholy fancies mislaid by him it seemed who brought me thither dull solitary and damp why damsel and in faith when i had got so far as that the maiden sank back upon the grassy heap and hid her face behind her hands and gave way to a wild tumultuous fit of laughter a golden cascade of merriment that fell thick and sparkling from the sunny places of her youthful joyance as you see the heavy raindrops glint through a bright april sky a wild irresistible torrent of frolic glee that wandered round the far-off alleys and raised a hundred answering echoes of pleasure in that enchanted garden presently the maid recovered and putting down her hands asked and your meals how came you by them they were laid for me twice each day in the great hall by unseen hands most punctual and mysterious 
"'Twas simple fare, but sufficient to a soldier. "'And each time I cleared the table and went afield. "'When I came back it was reset, yet no one could I see. "'No sound there was to break the stillness. "'Again that lady burst into one of her merry trills, "'and, when it was over, signed me to sit beside her. "'I was not loath. "'She was fair and young and tender, "'as pretty an amaryllis as ever a country corridan did pipe to. So down I sat. Now, said she, imprimis, sir, I do confess we owe you recompense for such scant courtesy, but I gather how it happened. This is, as I have said, my father's house and mine, and time was, once it has been told me, when he had near as many servants as I have flowers here, with friends unending, and all those blank windows yonder were full of lights by night and faces in the day. Then this garden was trim, not only here but everywhere, and great carriages ground upon the gravel drive, and the courtyard was full of caparisoned palfreys. That was all just so long ago, sir, that I remember nothing of it. I can picture it, damsel, I said as she sighed and hesitated. And how came this difference? I do not know for certain. I have often wondered why myself, but my father presently had spent all his money and perhaps that somehow explained it sighed my fair philosopher then too he took studious and let his estate shift for itself while he pored over great tomes and learned things and hid himself away from light and pleasure that might have scared off those gay acquaintances might it not sir queried the lady so unlearned in worldly ways it were a good receipt indeed was my answer none better to grow poor and wise is high offence with such a guild and throng as you have mentioned so then the house emptied and the gates no longer stood wide open the garden was forsaken and grass grew on thy steps owls built in thy corridors a dismal picture and sad for thee but this does not explain the strange entertainment i have had where is your father lodged and you how is it we have not met before oh said the damsel brightening up again that is easily explained when his friends left him my father dismissed all his servants but one a spanish steward and good old mistress marjorie my nurse and saving my father my only friend then lodged himself back yonder in the far rear of our great house and there i have grown up like a fair flower in a neglected spot i hazarded ah and secure from the shallow tongues of silly flatterings old marjorie tells me now my father as you may have noted is at times somewhat visionary and absent it thus may well have happened that bringing you here a guest he would by old habit have taken you as he was so long accustomed to the great barren front and lodged you so once lodged there it is perfectly within his capacity to have utterly forgot your very existence but the meals for whom were they spread if not for me why simply for my father he has where he works a cupboard wherein is kept brown bread and wine and sometimes when studious studies keep him close he goes to it and will not look at better or more ordered meals then again when the fancy takes him he will have a place put for himself in the great deserted hall and sups there all alone now this has become his mood of late and i can only fancy that when you came the whim did change all on a sudden and thus you inherited each day that which was laid for him who too studious came not 
and old slow-witted marjorie finding every time the provender was gone laid and relaid with patient remembrance of her orders a very pretty coil indeed and i no doubt being sadly wandering afield all day just missed thy ancient servitor each time and had you ever come in upon her heels you would have seen her hobble up one silent corridor and down another and press a button on a panel and so pass through a doorway that you would never find alone from your tenement to ours oh it makes me laugh to think of you pent there i would have given a round dozen of my whitest hen's eggs to have been by to see how you did look that had been a contingency fair maid which had greatly lightened my captivity i answered and the lady went babbling on in the prettiest simplest way half rustic and half courtly in her tones as might be looked for in one brought up as she had been for an hour perhaps we lay and basked in the pleasant warmth while the rooms of melancholy and dampness were slowly drawn from me by the sun and that fair companionship then she rose and shaking a shower of almond petals from her apron re-knotted her kerchief and taking a look at the sky said it was past midday and time for dinner if i liked she would guide me to her father up i got and side by side with that fair elizabethan girl went sauntering through her flowery walks down past shrubberies and along the warm red old wall of her great empty house until we came into a quiet way overgrown with giant weeds and smelling sweet of green sheep's parsley and cool fair vegetable odours here the maid lifted a latch and led me through a well-hidden gateway into the sunny rearward courtyard it showed as different as could be from the dreary front the ground was cobblestones all neatly weeded round a square of close-cut grass on one side the great back wall of the manor-place towered windowless above us with red roofs mighty piles of smokeless chimney-stacks and corby steps far overhead and on the other hand at an angle to that wall were lesser buildings to left and right enclosing the grass-plot and shining in the sun warm latticed windowed quaint gabled the third side of the square was open and sloped down to fair meadows beyond which came flowering orchards bounded by a brook moreover there was life here plain homely honest country life the wild loose hanging roses and eglantine were swinging in the sunshine over the deep-seated porches of these modest places the lavender smoke was drifting among the budding branches overhead proud maternal hens were clucking to their broods about the open doorways there were blooming flowers growing by one deep-set window ah and fair mistress elizabeth's snowy linen was all out on cords across that pretty sunny courtyard struggling in sparkling white confusion against the loose caresses of the april wind and look you there cried pretty mistress faulkner when she saw it pointing far down the distant meadows tis there we keep our milk and cows oh as you are courteous as you would wish to deserve your gentle livery count those cattle for a minute and thereat while i obedient turned my back and mustered the distant beasts grazing knee-deep among the yellow buttercups she out flew upon those linens and pulled them down and rolled them up in swathes and set them on a bench then tucked back some dishevelled strands of hair behind her ears and somewhat out of breath turned to me again 
here she said on this side lives old marjorie and our steward black emmanuel marchena there on the other is my room that one with the flowers below and open lattices next is my father's below again is the room where we do eat and all that yonder those many windows alike above and those steps going down beneath the ground those half-hidden cobwebbed windows a-blink with the level of the turf that is where my father works by all the saints fair girl i exclaimed impetuously as she led me towards that place thy father's workshop is on fire see the grey smoke curling from the lintel of the doorway and the broken panes and yonder i catch a glint of flame here let me burst the door and i sprang forward but the lady put her hand on my arm saying with a somewhat rueful smile no not so bad as that there is fire there but it is servant not master come in and you shall see she took me down six damp stone steps then lifted the latch of a massy weather-beaten oaken doorway and led me within it was a vast dim vaulted cellar the rough black roof of rugged masonry was hung by vistas of such mighty tapestries of grimy cobwebs as never mortal saw before on the near side the row of little windows dusty and neglected let in thin streams of light that only made the general darkness the more visible all the other wall was rough and bare beset with great spikes and nails wherefrom depended a thousand forms of ironware and ancient useless metal things the broken rusty implements of peace and war the floor seemed as i took in every detail of this subterranean chamber to be bare earth stamped hard and glossy with constant treading while here and there in hollows black water stood in pools and grey ashes from a furnace fire margined those miry places it was a gloomy hall without a doubt and as my eyes wandered round the shadows they presently discovered the presiding genius in the hollow of the great final arch was a cobweb smoke-grimed blacksmith's forge and bellows the little heap of fuel on it was glowing white and the curling smoke ascended part up the rugged chimney and part into the chamber on one side of this forge stood a heavy anvil and by it as we entered a man was toiling on a molten bar of iron plying his blows so slow and heavy it was melancholy to watch them that man it did not need another glance to tell me was my host if he had looked gaunt and wild by night the yellow flicker of the furnace and the pale mockery of daylight which stole through his poor panes did not improve him now the bright fire of enthusiasm still burnt in his keen old eyes i saw but they were red and heavy with long sleeplessness his ragged open shirt displayed his lean and hairy chest stained and smudged with the hue of toil his arms were bare to the elbow and his knotted old fingers clutched like the talons of a bird upon the handle of the hammer that he wielded grim old fellow he was near double with weariness and labour the breath came quick and hectic as he toiled the painful sweat cut white furrows down his pallid ash-stained face and his wild grey elfin locks were dank and heavy with the foul fumes of that black hole of his yet he stopped not to look to left or to right but still kept at it unmindful of aught else hammer 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 and sigh 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 
with a fine inspired smile of misty heroic pleasure about his mouth and the light of prophecy and quenchless courage in his eyes it was very strange to watch him and there was something about the unbroken rhythm of his blows and the inflexible determination hanging about him that held me spellbound waiting i knew not for what but half thinking to witness that red iron whereinto his soul was being welded spring into something wild and strange and fair half thinking to witness these sooty walls fall back into the wide arcades of shadowy realm and that old magician blossom out of his vile rags into some splendid flower of humankind it was foolish but it was an unlearned age and i only a rough soldier that fair maid by my side more familiar with these strange sights and sounds roused me from my expectant watching in a minute she had come in after me had paused as i did and now with pretty filial pity in her face and outspread hands she ran to that old man and laid a tender finger upon his yellow arm and stayed its measured labour at this he looked up for the first time since we entered as dazed and sleepy as one newly waked and seeing that he scarce knew her elizabeth shook her head at him and took his grizzled cheeks between her rosy palms and kissed him first on one side and then on the other kissed him sweet and tenderly upon his pallid unwashed cheeks and then with a kind imperiousness loosed his cramped fingers from the hammer shaft and threw it away and led him by gentle force back from his forge and anvil oh father she said bustling round him and fastening up his shirts and pulling down his sleeves and looking in his face with real solicitude indeed i do think you are the worst father that ever any maid did have and here was another kiss oh how long have you worked down here two nights and days on end fie for shame and how much have you eaten what nothing nothing all that time did ever child have such a parent oh would to heaven you had less wisdom and more wit why if you go on like this you will be thinner than any of these spiders overhead in springtime and weary nay do not tell me you are not and oh so dirty alack that i should let a stranger see thee like this and taking her own white kerchief from her apron that damsel wiped her father's face in love and gentleness and stroked his gritty beard and smoothed as well as she was able his ancient locks then took him by the hand and pointed to me standing a little way off in the gloom at first the old man gazed at the amber-suited gallant shining in the blackness of his workshop stolidly without a trace of recognition but when in a minute or two by an effort he drew his wits together he took me for one of those gay fellows who no doubt had haunted his courtyards and spent his money in brighter times and taxed me with it but i laughed at that and shook my head whereon he mused what art thou then young john eldred of bewley come to pay those twenty crowns your father borrowed twelve years since no i was not john eldred and there were no crowns in my wallet then i must be lord fosdean's reeve come to complain again of broken fences and cattle straying or perhaps a bailiff for the queen's dues and if that were so it was little i would get from him thereon his daughter burst out laughing and stroking the old man's hand oh father she said gently 
you are not always thus forgetful this excellent gentleman i found trespassing among my flowers and did arrest him he is your guest and declares you brought him here two nights since lodging him in our empty front where he has subsisted all this time on melancholy and stolen meals surely father you recall him now the old man was puzzled but slowly a ray of recollection pierced through the thick mists of forgetfulness indeed he did remember he muttered something of the kind but it was a sturdy shrewd-looking yeoman tall and bronzed under his wide cap a rustic fellow in country cloth that he had brought along and not this yellow gentleman so then i explained how he had resuited me and jogged his memory gently lifting it down the trail of our brief acquaintance as a good huntsman lifts a hound over a cold scent until at last when we had given him a cup of red wine from his cupboard in the niche his eyes brightened up the vacuity faded from his face and laughing in turn he knew me then holding out two withered hands in very courteous wise old andrew faulkner welcomed me and in civil courtly speech that seemed strange enough in that grim hole and from that grisly bent unwashed old fellow made apology for the neglect and seeming slight which he feared i must have suffered we spoke together for some minutes and then i ventured to ask was there not something master faulkner you had to tell or ask of me i do remember you mentioned such a wish that evening when we parted and certain circumstances of our short friendship make me curious to know what service it is i have to pay you in return for the hospitality your goodness put upon me in truth there was something faulkner answered with a show of embarrassment but it was a service better sort of freeze than silk tell it good sir tell it it were detestable did silk repudiate the debts that honest freeze incurred why then i will and chance your displeasure sweet bess get thee out and see to dinner this gentleman will dine with me to-day and as mistress elizabeth picked up her pretty skirts and vanished up the grass-grown steps the old recluse turned to me End of chapter twenty